0: So, Mark. Yeah, huh? I want to start off by talking about the title of this week's movie. I don't get it. The commas throw me. We are discussing the 2011 film Crazy Stupid Love. And as it is officially styled, it is crazy, comma, stupid, comma, love, period. This does not make grammatical sense, because if you have two adjectives that are describing a noun,
1: you wouldn't put a comma between the second adjective and the noun. Right. So, is love then just another adjective, and they're describing just something else? It makes no sense. It very much does not. Also, it's obnoxious to put a period at the end of your title. You either put three or none. Right. Say anything, dot, dot, dot. When Harry Met Sally, dot, dot, dot. Great. Crazy, stupid love, period,
0: wrong. Don't care for it. But, I was wondering, if you had to describe a movie in three words, how would you do it? If we took the naming conventions of this film and applied them to all of cinema. Like, can you think of
1: any ways that that might work well? Yes. Call ho na ho. Elaborate. Finger crossing. Love triangle. So you're like really pushing the boundaries of three pushing. words there. Finger crossing is a compound word. There I'll, is a dash. I'll give you credit for that. Hyphen. Love triangle is one concept that really has to be considered as a unit. So give me that again. What was it? Elaborate finger-crossing love triangle. Sure. Do you have any ideas? Uh,
2: Yes. Hi. So I watched Paddington 2 for the first time recently. Yes! And unlike Will and Mark, I'm not a huge cinephile, so I have to go with a recency effect. So the three words I would use to describe that are kind, polite shenanigans.
1: I believe you mean just perfect, best movie.
2: Also a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what
1: I would use. <laughs> Speaking of great film, the one that I
0: thought of, uh, I'm going to give the descriptor and I want to see if you guys can guess it. Ooh, nice. Like Mark, I'm doing one from the History of this podcast. This one is Cantankerous Interdimensional Avian. Get out.
1: You're fired. We didn't cover
0: that movie. I know we talked about it in an Oscars episode, but we have not covered Get Out in its entirety. You're fired.
1: Rachel's the host now.
2: Can I just say how delighted I am that I have now been a part of Duck
1: Talk? That's what it is! We're talking about Howard the Duck. If you didn't figure that out, you haven't listened to Welcome this podcast to the show. enough.
0: Um, I do have some Duck Talk updates. In an interview... Duck... D- dates? Duck developments. Duck velvets is duck better. Dates. Duck Date is when Howard and Beverly go out on the town. So, in interviews promoting Spider-Man Far From Home, which came out back at the beginning of July, John Watts, who directed that, and Spider-Man Homecoming, revealed that there is a secret Howard the Duck cameo in Spider-Man Homecoming that no one has noticed. I have not been able to track down what it is, but I'm putting out a call to all of our Agents of Duckness throughout the We Love the Love fandom. If you get the chance, fire up Spider-Man Homecoming. See if you can find it. We need to know. This is an important Duck Talk investigation. You kind of are taking on the role of Howard himself, who recently has been an investigator in Marvel Comics. So this is a really cool opportunity for us all. Howard the Duck also appeared in Avengers Endgame in the giant fight at the end of the movie. It's a pretty great time to be uh, part d- of the the Duckverse. A Duck fan.
2: Um, I just, as a longtime listener of the podcast, I have heard a lot of Duck Talk in my time, and so I just need to let all other listeners know... I thought I enjoyed Mark's reactions until I'm now sitting here getting to see his face as all of it goes on. And that makes it 5,000 times better.
1: The exasperation and extent to which I zone out during Duck Talk is probably very amusing. I think it's important for us to keep the people abreast of the
0: latest developments in Duck Cinema. The Duckiverse. Exactly. The HTDCU the howard the duck cinematic universe exactly we can only dream not as good as the dark universe of course nothing is as good as the dark universe howard the duck would fit well into the dark universe because those are all kind of edgy people
1: so should we start the show sure Alright, welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. Buckle up, buckos, we're talking about crazy stupid love today. I'm Mark, and I'm Gay.
0: And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is an investigative podcast, much like Howard the Duck. We seek out the clues, we try to make sense of things, and we're going to have our work cut out for us today as we take a look at this incredibly important question. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are any of
1: these people dateable?
0: No. Or even likeable? Highly questionable. It doesn't really matter if it's a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation or if there are like five or six different romances and pretty much all of them are ill-advised. We will dig in. We'll see what's there. It's our duty and I'm kind of excited for it. This week we are rejoined by longtime listener and one-time guest from the Titanic episode, Rachel. Hi! Welcome back to the show.
2: Thanks. Super pumped to be here and for what it's worth, I... Came into this thinking to myself, I am going to prove in my second episode that it is possible for me to do a normal length podcast episode. I set a timer. It was going to be great. And then we watched this movie that has like five different plot lines within it. And so all bets are off.
1: This movie is wild. I think this is the scariest movie we've ever covered for this show. That is probably true. I was horrified at the decisions these people made. So you had never seen this movie before? No, and I am mad that I have now. Oh, we had to cover this.
0: I did not see it in theaters, but I saw it on DVD at some point, and then I've seen chunks of it on TV a couple of times, because Crazy Stupid Love is a movie that I really cannot tear myself away from, because its madness is so all-encompassing and just escalates in the most bizarre ways that Every time I encounter it, I'm like, maybe this time I can make sense of it, but you
1: can't. And it actually makes less sense and gets more horrifying every time. I can imagine. I will never be watching this movie again, just to make that clear. Also, I have an important question. Yeah. I found out the Dark Universe website is still active. Oh, I'm very aware. And you can sign up for email updates. Should we sign up the show account? Just Absolutely. in case, yeah. I will be signing us up. So once again, we are discussing
0: Crazy, comma, Stupid, comma, Love, Period. The 2011 ensemble romance comedy? Is it? It was definitely marketed that way.
2: But is it? I didn't think it was very funny. The
0: movie thinks that it is very funny.
2: That's true. The movie thinks a lot of things about itself that I don't necessarily
0: agree with. I would have to agree with that assessment. So this movie was directed by Glenn Fakara and John Requa, who had worked together in animation at Nickelodeon. They did some writing on family and then just kind of weird movies, things like Cats and Dogs, Bad Santa, Looney Tunes Back in Action. This is their second time directing after I Love You Philip Morris, and the movie is written by Dan Fogelman who is now famous as the creator of the TV show This Is Us, another sprawling saga of families and twisty relationship nonsense.
2: That actually makes a lot of sense in a weird way. I can see that.
0: He also created the TV show Gallivant, the singing
1: medieval show. Come again? What show is this? Gallivant.
0: It ran for like one or two years. It was very well reviewed. I have never seen it. But yeah, it's a musical comedy night show. Night with a K. He also made that show Pitch about the female baseball player. Oh, it's a Netflix show. Gallivant? Or no, it, no, it's, it's on Netflix now, according to the internet. Fogelman also wrote a bunch of movies, things like Cars and Cars 2, Fred Claus, Bolt, Tangled. He wrote a lot of animation. Since this, has written things like The Guilt Trip, Last Vegas, and famously last year, Life Itself, another sprawling multi-generational morass. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. It was very poorly reviewed and did not last long in theaters. But what's truly horrifying about this is that I was reading an interview that he did with Nicole Sperling, who was at the LA Times at the time this movie came out, in which he said that he based this movie, Crazy, Stupid, Love, Period, on some of his own experiences living as a human being in his 30s.
2: No! Which character was he? Oh no. We
0: should investigate his history. I cannot figure it out because the idea that any of this would
1: come from any person's life is horrifying. Again, scariest movie we've ever covered on this show.
2: I thought, honestly, that nothing could be scarier than somebody going into their mind and coming up with this sort of thing. And I take it back because somebody actually living these experiences is worse.
1: A 17-year-old takes pictures of herself naked to give to the 44-year-old man who she babysits his kids. That is something that happens in this movie. And it's not the worst thing that and happens in this movie. And also
2: is not encouraging this at all. She just thinks this would be a good idea. It would be horrifying if she were, were encouraging it. Encouraging. It would be worse, but almost more understandable.
1: It, like, is just a very different movie if he is. Because I think that even in 2011, even with this movie, that crosses it out of comedy realm and into, you know disturbed film
2: but that's the problem this movie thinks the fact that she does this is funny and yeah, it's plays like, it off as kind this, of like, humorous yeah. like the whole scene where she's taking them is like awkward funny it's played for laughs it's like it's when she tears down the
1: poster funny. of the baby tiger yeah, and ugh. the scene where the dad doesn't just like open it and panic and throw it away but takes the time to look at all of the pictures with a disturbed expression i was Very confused why any character would continue to look at pictures like that. I hate it, guys. It's a weird movie.
0: And it's a weird movie, except it, like, had a lot of buzz around it before it even came out. Or, like, this script, Fogelman wrote it in 2009 and pretty quickly got Steve Carell attached to it. Those two together, like, the script with Carell attached to it, were bought by Warners for two and a half million dollars, which is a solid script sale. Like, that's not a small amount of money. And in the interim, while that was happening, this script was placed on the 2010 blacklist, which is the list that's collected of the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. Now, that's based on producers and agents and things like that who read scripts, and they submit their opinions on it to this organization, The Blacklist, which collects them, but that means that a lot of people thought this was a really good script.
2: A lot of people thought this was a really good script where somebody explicitly says, please stop, you're making me uncomfortable. Another character acknowledges that and explicitly says, I'm gonna keep making her uncomfortable.
1: It's cute because it's kids.
2: I hate this.
1: Did people think this was fun in 2011? It was very well-received. How? It was pretty darn well-reviewed
0: as like, look at all this fun people interacting with each other. I mean, there are some like
1: charming performances in it. There are some parts that are good. I, not good, that might be used a little strongly, but there are parts that are watchable, especially anything that doesn't involve children and the sexualization thereof.
2: Something that was really interesting to me was I had told my mom that we were doing this on the podcast. I was going to be the guest for it. And she said, oh, that'll be fun. And after I watched it again, I said to her, I don't like this movie. This is bad. And she said, why? And I was trying to come up with an example. And I said something about, oh, you know, well, the stuff with the babysitter. She didn't remember that any of that happened. It was not salient to her at all.
0: Whereas like
1: it stands out so aggressively when I watch it as just being horrifying. The parts with just Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, those scenes are fine. They're fun, even. Yeah. Pretty fun at times. They're good. And if there was a movie that was just about them, it would probably be good. And I think it's telling that since this movie, they've worked together and been paired as a couple in two more movies. Right. So I think people watched this and did take that away, and that's a pretty good idea. But honestly, even if you kept Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, I'm telling you, if they just cut out everything with anyone under the age of 25 it would be a much better movie which is interesting because you watch the trailer for this movie and that's
0: what it sells it's basically hitch with ryan gosling helping steve carell get his game back while ryan gosling is also romancing emma stone
1: and even the twist that she is his daughter would be interesting Without anything else because it's like, oh, he has seen all this stuff that Ryan Gosling's character has pulled. So it, it would be a troubling thing for the dad. And the movie would be like an hour and a half. A great length for a movie of this caliber.
2: I do think that there is some kind of problematic aspects of parenthood with Steve Carell and Emma Stone's relationship. Though, oh, hundred percent. We can get into that more in the points.
1: That is much less of a problematic element than the pedophilia.
2: Oh, 100%. But so... I'm just saying like on a societal level, I think that it perpetuates a certain relationship between fathers and daughters that is very common, but is not necessarily positive.
1: Yeah. yeah. As soon as he joked about getting a gun, I was just like, this is so dumb. She is. An adult woman who has passed the bar and is a lawyer, she can fend for herself. And yet, as I said, this movie was very well received. It made $84 million
0: at the box office. It had a big budget, $50 million because you figure the people involved probably drive a lot of that. But $84 million for a summer comedy in a summer that
1: included a Harry Potter movie, a Captain America movie, and of course, who could forget the Smurfs? It's a lot of money. What was the tagline of the Smurfs? I feel like it was really bad. I don't know. It's probably like get Smurfed or what the Smurf. Smurf happens. There we go.
0: I knew it was putting Smurf in place of a curse word. Yeah. But there was also real energy behind like a possible Oscar campaign for some of the stuff involved in this movie where for starters, this is like peak Ryan Gosling. Between 2010 and 2012, he's in six different movies because he does Blue Valentine, All Good Things, Crazy Stupid Love, Drive, The Ides of March, and The Place Beyond the Pines, all in this period. And this is a pretty fun performance. So there is some real energy by that. He does get a Golden Globe nomination for this movie in Supporting Actor. And there's even the same kind of noise that you get anytime you have a really popular comedy of maybe this should get a screenplay nomination. And it didn't happen, but thank God. It's a pretty weak original screenplay field this year, and you could kind of see it squeezing in. That would be a stain on the Academy's legacy. Sure. I mean, it would hardly be the biggest. Uh, fair. But the original screenplay nominations this year, the winner is Midnight in Paris, a weird movie. Then the the others are The Artist, a weird nomination.
1: Not a lot of words in
0: that guy. Here's the thing. You still have to write it. I know. But the screenplay awards tend to favor dialogue-heavy things. Right. They tend to be feels like a weak nominee there. Yeah. Bridesmaids, big comedy, people nominated for things. Margin Call, which is a cool movie. And then A Separation, which is not in English, so you imagine again could potentially have been beaten out by like a robust campaign
1: by a popular movie. I'm glad that Bridesmaids is the comedy that got in there though.
0: Yeah, it's a much better movie.
1: I feel like over the course of all the relationships in a movie called Crazy Stupid Love, we will probably get a good sense of the plot. So do we want to start diving into the points? Sure. We've got a lot to talk about, so that's probably for the best. Many relationships to discuss. Now, every episode, we break down the
0: romance of a movie into five points that summarize and illuminate its romantic trajectory. So Rachel, as our guest, you're going to be in charge of guiding us through this crazy, stupid adventure. So take it away.
2: Great. Okay. So every week... They do five points, and it's never, I think, been explicitly established that these have to be five plot points.
0: Some people have pushed the bounds on that.
2: So, hi, it's my second episode. I can run wild now. Um, I split this up into, I think, the five most significant relationships within this movie, because there are a lot of them. They do intersect, but I think that trying to come up with just concrete points in time throughout the movie would make things a lot more confusing. So, our first relationship is Emily Weaver and David Lindhagen. I'm a cuckold. David
1: Lindhagen cuckolded me. He made a
0: cuckold out of me. So this is Emily played by Julianne Moore and David Lindhagen played by Kevin Bacon. This movie is key to a lot of people's Bacon numbers.
2: Also, there are so many good actors in this movie. Yeah, Why how about Marissa Tomei? Did they
1: do. That? <laughs> they done her dirty in this movie. Definitely.
2: We'll get there. So before the movie starts, Emily and David have had an affair, and that sparks in like the very first scene. Emily tells her husband Cal,
0: that played by, by Steve Carell, the summer after he left the office,
2: she wants a divorce.
0: He throws himself out of the car, Lady Bird style.
2: My question is, does she want a divorce to be with David? Or did the affair just make her realize that she doesn't want to be with Cal? Because I feel like we get some kind of nit. Yes, but then she does go back to David.
1: I think she is basically convinced by the fact that David approaches her to try it again. But in her mind, it was a one-time thing that was just a symptom of The death of their relationship.
0: Yeah, she doesn't tell Cal, like, I'm seeing David Lindhagen. It's very much presented as, this is a thing that happened once.
2: And I guess, come to think of it, she doesn't really say that until Cal is refusing to engage with her. And she's just trying to make him angry so that she'll talk to him.
0: And also because he's, like, kind of trying to ignore her saying that she wants a divorce and dismissing it. And she's like, here is a thing that you cannot argue with. This happened
2: So after this conversation with Cal, she goes into work, and David comes to talk to her and brings up that she's actively avoiding him, and he just can't handle that. And he says, because of you, I look forward to coming into work in the morning, and I'm an accountant. That doesn't happen for
0: accountants.
1: Is she also an accountant?
2: She's a vice president.
1: Specifically, her
0: nameplate says associate to the vice president, which feels like an office joke. You know what? Probably is. I wouldn't say that in any movie, but with Steve Carell in 2011,
1: feels like an Office joke. The fact that he has just left The Office makes me think that... Right, this movie comes out in the midst of a big Emmy
0: campaign to try to get him an Emmy for The Office. And I'm gonna throw it out. It's ridiculous that he never
1: got one. It is weird. I'm surprised. I didn't know that. Yeah, just kept losing out to other shows. Hmm. Anyway, back to David Lindhagen, whose name is one of the core... Jokes, in quotes, of this movie. The movie leans
0: hard on the idea that Lindhagen sounds kind of funny, and the more you say it, and the more passionately you say it, kind of the more ridiculous you sound.
2: So, David convinces Emily to go on another date with him, which is also prompted a little bit by issues that she's having with Cal, and he even buys her Give Me a Chance flowers, which will come back.
0: They're nice flowers.
2: But when he's given her these flowers at the end of the date and they're standing in the front yard and they're about to kiss. Maybe they started kissing. The babysitter walks out and full on shames her for having gone on a date with David Lindhagen. And at the time, she doesn't really understand why this is happening. It's
0: completely inappropriate. She's going on about like, you know, when I am at the end of my babysitting, like the other kids I babysit are so happy to see their dad come home. And basically just like, Harassing Julianne more because Cal is not living with them and therefore won't be coming home in those circumstances. And it's like, babysitter, chill out. This is so out of line.
1: But it's because she's in love with Cal.
2: We'll, get, we'll there. get to that. Yeah. So it's unclear to me whether Emily is in the meantime realizing that she is still in love with Cal. Or whether she just realizes that things aren't right with David. But it seems like she's maybe a little reluctant to keep going on with all of this.
0: The weird moment is when she calls Cal to ask him how to get the pilot light on on the stove. And she's not using the stove. She's just given her kids ice cream. She's not in the kitchen. And so we are kind of led to believe that she's just using this as an excuse to talk to him. And he knows this because he is watching her through the window... Again. Which is presented as fun because he's not there to stalk. He's there to take care of the gardens because he just wants the flowers to be in good shape. He just wants to aerate the lawn.
2: We will get there. But she has left her sweater in David Lynn Hagen's car during the date and so he comes by the house to give it back to her and he wants to also maybe kind of try to reconcile because things were a little weird at the end of their last date and instead the
0: babysitter yelled at her
2: he ends up getting punched in the face ryan gosling walks up to him and says are you david lindhagen he says yes ryan gosling punches him and says this is for what you did to my friend and this is my first invocation of the scene that will be called what are we calling it on this podcast
1: We could call it just the scene. The scene. Capital up. Okay,
2: so yes, this is the first invocation of the scene, which will come back in all of the rest of the points, and I think those are all of the things I have to say about Emily and David Lindhagen.
0: Yeah, after getting punched by Ryan Gosling, we never see David Lindhagen again, really.
2: He continues to participate in the ensuing scuffle, and then gets chewed out by a policeman.
1: I wish we had gotten more resolution on the Lindhagen of it all. He might be the best of these people?
2: Yeah, but he did also have an affair with somebody that he knew was married and didn't seem to feel bad about that
0: at all.
1: I agree with you that that's not amazing. Yeah, I still think he might be the best of these people. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that he's the one that is pursuing it with real feelings. Accountants don't get excited to go to work.
2: My mom is an accountant, shout out. Hi, Jackie.
1: Hello. <laughs>
2: Point two, Jacob and Hannah. For what it's worth, I've tried to put these points in an order that makes it kind of possible to follow the plot, but they're also in order of how much I cringe in writing them, starting with the least cringing and escalating. You're adorable. No, I am sexy. I am R-rated sexy. Okay, I know what happens in the PG-13 version of tonight, alright? I know. It's that I get I get really drunk, and I pass out, and you cover me with a blanket, and you kiss me on the cheek, and nothing happens. But that's not why I'm here. I am here to bang the hot guy that hit on me at the bar.
0: Okay, so this one is Jacob played by Ryan Gosling, at this time the star of the Hey Girl meme, and Hannah played by Emma Stone, who is a year out from Easy A, which was a big thing for her. She was Golden Globe nominated there. And a year before her turn in The
1: Amazing Spider-Man. So she goes from playing two high schoolers to playing someone who has not just finished law school, but passed the bar. Don't worry, in Spider Man, she will be back in
0: high school.
2: So, to set the scene in the beginning of the movie, Jacob is a player and very good at picking up women.
1: He is like a straight up pickup artist,
2: and he's successful. Does,
1: yeah, he does some negging. It's really not great. And I feel like, honestly, with Brian Gosling, he doesn't even need to do any of that. He could just walk up and say, Hey, it's me. Want a bone? There is
0: one I'd thing. i say yes. I appreciate in that he doesn't do the thing that you see in movies where people will, like, neg the friend of the person they're hitting on and be like, you're much prettier than your friend. And so he's like, your friend is also attractive, but I'm into you.
2: So that's his situation, and Hannah is studying for the bar and then takes the bar.
0: She's dating Josh Groban.
2: And she thinks that that's a very serious relationship and is definitely going somewhere, but... After she passes the bar, there's a big party.
0: Which Josh Groban has teased as like, everyone be there, there's going to be a big announcement.
2: And there is a big announcement.
0: But it's not that Josh Groban is asking Emma Stone to
1: marry him.
2: It's that he wants to give her a job.
1: Which is a big deal. That is a big deal. And it's just a weird situation where it seems that Hannah and Josh Groban are on just completely different pages. To a weird extent.
2: So I'm gonna throw out just like a general idea for all of society. What if proposals were not needing to be this huge big surprise oh my gosh thing in the sense that we have never had a discussion about marriage before now let's decide to get married. What if we said as the societal norm that we're gonna have like multiple thoughtful conversations about this over the course of several months or maybe longer to determine that we're on the same page. And then once that's done, we can get engaged. And if there needs to be a proposal, cool, that can happen. But it's already been established because if that were the case, then she would know that this wouldn't be a proposal because... They haven't had those conversations, clearly.
0: See, I think the problem is what you're describing is rational, intelligent love. Sorry, rational, intelligent, love, period. And that's not the movie that we're watching, Rachel.
2: That's true, but the thing is, this approach toward getting engaged and toward proposals isn't limited to this movie.
1: I feel like it happens in movies much more than it happens in real life, though. Based on talking to my family and my sister and my parents, they had all decided that they were getting married before any proposing happened. But the proposal itself was a surprise. Like, my mom and Suzanne didn't know when it was going to happen, but they knew that it was going to happen.
2: That has been the case with... My current generation of family members, but the older generations it wasn't. And also, I definitely have multiple friends who got gotten engaged who did not know that it was- not- didn't know when the proposal was happening, but didn't know that the proposal was coming, and had to make that decision then.
0: That's not amazing. We had a similar conversation about this back in our Sweet Home Alabama days, when- Reese Witherspoon was surprised proposed to by Patrick Dempsey.
2: In a Tiffany's store, right? That's
0: right. It's
2: fancy. She should have stayed with him.
1: Yeah.
0: He's the better dude.
2: Yeah.
1: I almost appreciate the movie's lack of effort to make him a non-sympathetic character in any way. You're talking about Gosling? No. um, Luke Wilson. In Sweet Home Alabama, how they just like, he's just a great guy and she just chooses not to be with him. Yeah, because she's- Being dumb. Yeah.
2: Because soulmates, y'all.
0: I mean, soulmates play a big role in this movie, too. Yep. Do we think any of these couples were struck by lightning on a beach when they were children? I hope not. Did that
1: put them on board a soul soul train? All right, we're not getting into this again. Let's go back to Jacob and Hannah. Yes,
2: Jacob and Hannah. So Jacob had previously tried to pick Hannah up in a bar While she was preparing to really hardcore start studying for the bar, and she said no because she was in her serious relationship with Josh Groban. But on this night, when she discovers that he doesn't really have an intention of proposing to her ever, maybe? He says, I think, that he needs to think about the relationship.
0: It's crazy awkward.
1: Crazy stupid awkward, even. Crazy, comma, stupid, comma, awkward, period. Period.
2: So she walks through the rain, gets totally soaked, storms into this bar, walks up to Ryan Gosling slash Jacob, who is talking to another woman, and just makes out with him. He picks her up, even. Yeah. Yeah, literally.
0: As they're kissing, which basically makes it a double footpot kiss.
2: True, yes. And then she says, okay, we're going back to your place now. And they do. And his place is awesome.
1: Yeah. So he just inherited all that money? Yes. There's a vague mention of his dad being successful at business, even though he was too soft to deal with his cold-hearted but beautiful mom. And
0: Ryan Gosling now uses that fortune to buy things like massage chairs.
1: He admits on the first date, in quotes, not really a date, that he has a shopping addiction to fill an empty void in his life caused by a lack of love from his parents. A lot of the like pillow talk in this was not part of the script. They
0: just gave Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone actual alcohol and threw out scenarios and told them to make up dialogue.
2: It's a really good scene. They have good chemistry. It's the
0: best part of the movie.
2: But it also is definitely super intimate and they get back to his apartment She says, okay, I did that whole confident thing in the bar, but that is not really who I am. I'm kind of awkward. Please take your shirt off now. And then they have a conversation about what his move is to pick up women. It's to literally pick them up. It's the dirty dancing lift, which doesn't make sense as a move because you wouldn't be able to do that with a woman who had no idea... How to be lifted.
0: So this is another thing that was not in the script. Ryan Gosling proposed it because he had done ballet and can do it. And he was like, this would be a fun thing to make this character do. And so that's why they did it. And they tried it once with Emma Stone, but she has a crippling fear of heights. As a result of falling when she was doing gymnastics as a kid. And so they had to do it with a body
1: double when they actually do it in the movie. It's pretty noticeable. Yes. I will say in this scene, it is a pretty good use of the movie's one F word. It's a PG-13 movie, so they get one non-sexual use. And it is Emma Stone's response to Ryan Gosling taking off his shirt. And it's appropriate. Yeah, it feels right. It yep. feels very right. There's also a conversation in here about
0: what kind of night it will be with Emma Stone insisting it will be the R-rated version of the night instead of the PG-13 version of the night where she falls asleep and he, like, tucks her in. This, of course, is a PG-13 movie, so that's exactly what we get. Only it's gender flip.
2: Ryan Gosling falls asleep and Emma Stone tucks him in. There and was a the thing where- the alcohol from his hand, but he still is, like- holding in his glass. It has not spilled, even though he's asleep.
0: There was a thing where she started talking about PG-13 versus R, and I was like, what's this movie
1: rated? That came up when I said, oh, good use of the one F-word. It's all the same scene. Yeah, Yeah. all in there. It's all tied together.
2: So, they end up Falling in love. He's super serious about her. They, like, go wine shopping together or something.
1: Well, they're shopping for wine for... Oh, to go and meet Juliet. Like a hostess okay. gift.
2: Okay, yes. So he calls Cal.
0: But also, he has dropped off the radar for, like, a yeah. week. Like, he's just spending all of his time with Emma Stone because he's been this player, pickup artist, but he's just completely captivated by her.
2: Yeah, so he calls Cal and says... I have taught you how to get women. Don't worry, we'll cover that in the next point. But I need your help. I'm going to need advice on how to be in a serious relationship. I've met this woman. She's amazing. I'm meeting her mom next weekend or tomorrow or whenever it is. And so he goes to meet her mom. And it's Emily! It's
0: Julianne Moore!
2: And... Just as they meet, David Lindhagen shows up and Jacob punches him. And he Cal is there. Cal. Yes, Cal is also there. This is the scene. But Cal, having seen all of Jacob's philandering ways, is very uncomfortable with him dating his daughter. So Cal punches Jacob right after Jacob punches David Lindhagen.
0: And Cal is like forbidding Emma Stone from dating. Oh, Gosling. yeah.
2: He is furious. He won't accept it there's a scene where jacob tells hannah like you should try to talk to your dad and she says no and so jacob goes to the bar to talk to cal and cal's like i changed her diapers man like this isn't okay i maybe you've changed but i just can't accept you dating my daughter and instead of being like well keep in mind that she is an adult woman Who can make her own choices and seems like she's got a pretty good head on her shoulders, so this isn't someone you need to really be worried about. Jacob says to Cal, You're a really good dad.
0: It's worth noting that the movie has tried to hide from us the fact that Emma Stone is related to Julianne Moore and Steve Carell to this point because they always refer to talking to Nana. Emma Stone's name is. Hannah. In this scene, as everyone comes together, the movie reveals that this is the same person because Emma Stone was not able to pronounce H's as a child and that, like, stuck as a family nickname. It's pretty sweaty.
2: So, ultimately, Jacob and Hannah seem like they're gonna end up together. Cal, quote, acquires a firearm. On uh, a shady
0: website. From
2: a shady website and kind of gives Jacob his approval. They shake hands. I think that's, like, bro code something i don't know and hannah's like this will be fun instead of you know saying dad let's pause and remember i am an adult woman with a good head on my shoulders who can make my own choices and i appreciate your input but you have no say in who i date
0: this is a relationship the cal gosling relationship in the second half after Cal knows that Jacob is dating Hannah, that I think the movie thinks is funny and kind of charming, even when it's complicated, but it's not. It's just gross, and Cal needs to back off. Relationships that are gross where someone needs to back off are kind of a recurring theme in this movie.
2: We will get there, but first, let's talk about point three, Cal and Emily. Okay, yeah, I did. I did, I slept with our son's eighth grade english teacher i I know i know and i i cheated so i have no right to be angry that's not the point look
1: when we
0: were first married you were the only woman that i had ever slept with and now i have had sex with nine different women god
2: the longest running relationship of this movie when it begins they are out to dinner she tells him that she wants a divorce and he as we said freaks out jumps out of the car and then Spends the next two nights in a bar telling everyone that his wife slept with David Lindhagen.
0: Shouting it to everybody that he encounters to the point that Jacob eventually comes over and is like, Hey, guess what? I know your wife slept with David Lindhagen. You know how I know that? Because you've been telling everyone. And Jacob says that he wants to start helping Cal meet other women because Cal is pathetic and Jacob wants to help him. I think Jacob is just tired of this dude stinking up his bar by shouting at everybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be.
0: Does this town have one bar? Yeah, it's Los Angeles, the City of Angels, and because of that, it's deeply religious and only one alcoholic establishment is permitted.
2: But isn't it impressive how Cal and Hannah, who both seem to frequent this bar, are never actually there at the same time?
1: I guess... Like, it's convenient for the movie, but it also kind of makes sense. I assume he's not actually spending every waking hour there. He is. He kind of is. He starts picking
2: up all those women. Like,
1: every night. Ugh, it's so disgusting. Yeah. He's
0: not meeting Marissa Tomei at the grocery store.
2: That's jumping ahead a little bit. Cal learns all of Jacob's dating advice, both intentionally and also just kind of by osmosis observing it, and Jacob also gives him a makeover.
0: Lots of clothes, lots of layers. He's wearing, what, five layers at one point? Because you figure he's got, like, some kind of undershirt, a button-down shirt, a sweater, a larger sweater, and a jacket.
2: And a tie. He brings up the tie. It's a
0: lot of layers. It's too many layers.
2: What is the most layers that you've worn on a date? On a date? Yes. Or to try to pick up women in a bar. Or men in a bar. I don't know. Pick people up in a bar.
1: Different, like, I mean, if you're going to a bar, you're probably not going to be wearing five layers because they're always sweaty. Yeah, Steve maybe Carell like is, a shirt and a jacket. Undershirt, shirt, sweater is probably the most I've done.
2: So we can establish that this- So
1: Steve Carell's wearing like double. This is re- unrealistic. Yeah. Okay. It is. I don't remember layers being a thing in 2011 either. They like weren't. As the fashion icon.
0: The best part of the makeover is when Steve Carell pulls out his wallet and it's a Velcro wallet and Gosling just loses it. That's a solid joke. That is a good joke. Few things say dad more than a Velcro wallet. Dad or middle schooler.
2: But one of the things that does is wearing slacks with New Balance sneakers, which he also does.
0: Also, his pants don't fit. None yeah, of they're, close too, fit. they're too big. They're all too big.
2: But Ryan Gosling helps with that.
0: And that's the thing where like, he's kind of like a scummier Hitch. Hitch is explicitly like, we're going to get you in a relationship. But Gosling is doing some similar things.
2: So Cal decides it's you know time to try it out. He starts with this woman it's not going very well and he just kind of breaks down and is like my wife left me i used to tell her she was the perfect combination of sexy and cute and goes through all these things like reveals some like very personal uncomfortable stuff he's also insisted on buying this woman a drink and then she reveals that she's sober and
0: why is she at this bar
2: alone she's Um, clearly
0: not meeting anybody it does seem like the kind of place that is going to serve food. So what is she doing?
2: It might be just the to get only establishment period in LA.
0: Oh, that's possible.
2: Yeah. My sister lives in LA. I'll check with her about okay, whether yeah. there's only one.
0: It's a pretty small town.
2: True. But he reveals all this like very inappropriate personal information. And she goes, you really think I'm the perfect combination of sexy and cute? And he says, that's what you got out of this? and then they go home together. Like, she is getting majorly turned on by him...
0: Being insecure, basically. Being
2: insecure. Like, I don't want to say emotionally vulnerable because it's kind of, like, weaponizing vulnerability, but it's really creepy that she's into all of the things that he's saying because he's basically just, like... I am broken, and, uh, like, I've only ever been with one woman. I miss my wife, like...
1: She's like, yeah, give it to me. Her kink is broken, man,
0: apparently. Apparently.
2: Apparently. We
0: later find out that she went down on him for 45 minutes
1: because he said he was nervous. The stamina.
2: That actually is an impressive feat, but it's not a feat that should necessarily ever happen. I don't know. You do what you want with your sex life. That's a very long time.
0: It's just a weird... Weird makeout scene. Yeah. And then she leaves in the morning. She's like, call me.
2: And he says he will. He and... kind of like
0: nods at her. I don't know that he actually responds okay. verbally.
2: Well, he has revealed all this very intimate stuff to her. Maybe she sees that as a commitment. But instead, he just keeps going to the bar, picking up other women, until he's broken into his house to garden because he has a nightmare about the grass grass being not perfect and this is when the pilot light scene happens and he no because there are
0: two times that he goes there's the first time he goes to take care of stuff at the house okay it's the second time that he gets the phone call about the pilot light
2: okay well he's because the the
0: conference is between the two
2: but he realizes like i miss emily and i kind of want to get her back
0: and he's like playing
1: catch with his kid robbie and robbie's talking about like feelings are hard man but you just gotta do it, right? And the dad is also encouraging the son to ignore the wishes of a woman and continue to pursue her, even though she has expressly said, I am uncomfortable.
2: We'll get there. Well,
1: at this point, it's more the kid telling the dad, like, you gotta just go for it.
2: She's your soulmate, right?
0: And Steve Carell is like, man, how did you get so smart, 13-year-old? You're right. I should pursue women who have said they don't want to be with me.
2: So- This is
0: a charming scene.
2: Um, it seems like things are getting a little better between Emily and Cal until parent-teacher conference night, where- It's guess... worth noting,
0: this is the first time they're actually seeing each other in person since he's moved.
2: Yes, out. and guess who Robbie's teacher is? It's
0: Marissa Tomei! Yay! And she,
2: at first, says, oh, hi, and Emily says, oh, you two know each other? How do you know each other? And Cal says, you know, parent-teacher conference night- Last year, and then Marissa Tomei starts talking about what an asshole he is.
0: That's well, also a key word because that's the one that their son Robbie shouted repeatedly during his discussion of the Scarlet Letter.
2: They claimed that it was a school record for cursing in class, but having once been an eighth grader, I don't believe that.
1: One student saying asshole three times.
2: Was it only three times? It's maybe, like five or six. Maybe
1: five or six, but still. Eh. They have a big fight
0: outside where Cal's going on about like I've slept with eight different people since I left you.
2: On the Wikipedia page, it says he has slept with nine people since Emily. Actually, so okay, it's unclear whether the nine people includes Emily. The or
0: line mine. says I've slept with nine people, but it's as a contrast to like. Previously, I had only slept with you. So it's not clear whether that's in addition or a total.
2: But he does also say, like, I hate what you did, but I also hate myself for having let us get to this point. And she's just so frustrated because she does still have feelings for him and is having a hard time and is finding out that he's just been out playing the field and acting very cavalierly. And that is hard for her. And so... She kind of storms off, and he is left standing in the rain. It starts to rain very hard, and he says, oh, perfect, or something like that. How cliche. Oh, how cliche, yes. Because we acknowledge cliches in this movie, but then he continues to just stand in the rain, the same rain that Emma Stone is running through to get to Ryan Gosling at this moment, getting super wet, and I don't understand why he wouldn't, get in his car because
0: he's being sad
2: is that what people do when they're sad
0: yeah you stand and you get wet
2: what if it's not raining
0: then you have to stand under the shower wearing your clothes so it's like it's raining
2: i hope i never get sad in that case
0: sad's not fun it, you just get very wet it would
2: just be like very messy too like you have to deal with super wet clothes right and
0: that's why people don't like being sad it's about the wetness
2: That makes sense. Like, it's an unpleasant physical sensation to be wearing soaked clothes. Especially
0: if you're wearing jeans. Right. It's just no good.
2: Yeah. You have to, like, I don't know, find a blow dryer to try to dry them out if you can't. And if you forget to take them them off, then you're pointing a
0: blow dryer at your wet jeans.
2: So he decides that he is still going to get her back, and he organizes in their garden a recreation of their first date. And the big thing between
0: here is that phone call about the pilot light. And that's oh, like that's him. when I thought yeah. it was
2: before the parent-teacher conference. Okay. I stopped taking notes after a while because I was too frustrated at this yeah. movie. The
0: pilot light is like, like, locks him in like, Got I should go for it. it. She's still into me.
2: Okay. And also Robbie giving him, you know, sage
0: wisdom. Look, the best advice comes from 13-year-olds.
2: So he organizes this big garden surprise, but... Jacob shows up, David Lindhagen shows up, and he also gets punched by his babysitter, Jessica's dad, which we'll get into Who in a had second. been one
0: of his best friends until- Yeah, Bernie? The, yeah, until the babysitter's mom said that they had to choose sides and they were choosing Emily.
2: Yeah, he said, I wanted to pick you. And my wife said, no, we're picking Emily. And then he buys him some cologne as kind of an I'm sorry that my wife says we're not allowed to be friends anymore present.
1: It's kind of weird, because I feel like people usually side with, like, the person who was wronged, instead of the person doing the wrong. And what's interesting is
0: Bernie continues to go to the one bar, and so Bernie sees Cal, like, womanizing his way around.
2: But they also will kind of look at each other sadly across the bar, acknowledging, like, we used to be close, but we can't be close anymore, because... We picked Emily.
1: I just remembered that we have to give dating advice based off this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm mad. Can't wait. Anyway. So then the climax of
0: our Cal-Emily relationship comes at middle school graduation.
2: Yes, where Cal ends up hijacking Robbie's speech. Don't worry. We will tell you more about Robbie's speech.
0: Robbie the salutatorian. Yes. 13-year-old rock star, apparently.
2: He hijacks Robbie's speech and talks about how much... He loves Emily, and we don't really get a resolution because the movie ends right after graduation, but they seem to be on a good note, and according to Wikipedia, it is implied that they might get back together.
0: I got that reading. The movie certainly wants us to think that.
1: Mm -hmm, That takes
0: us to our fourth relationship. Oh God, we're not, Uh. we're like just over halfway done. But these last two will share a common character, our babysitter, Jessica, played by Annalie Tipton.
2: Oh, Jessica. She is seventeen years old, and she is their babysitter. And she is in love with Cal.
1: Wait, how old is he? Old.
2: Like really old.
1: <clears throat> like parent old.
2: Nasty, Jessica. Yeah, that's what I was. Oh God! Rock on. Thank you. You are so dirty. Yes, I know.
0: We get. A hint of this in the very beginning of the movie, when Jessica is playing with their youngest child, Molly, and they knock over a photo of Cal and Emily, and when Jessica picks it up, she kind of covers Emily in the picture, so that she's just looking at Cal.
2: But then Cal and Emily come home from their date night where Emily said she wants a divorce. They're still fighting about this. So Jessica finds out what's going on. Cal drives Jessica home and Jessica tries to tell him that she has a crush on him and
0: tries to also give him advice.
2: It's very uncomfortable. You're like so
0: great. And I think it's crazy if your wife can't see that.
2: And then she starts to say she has a crush on him, but he is kind of talking over her because he's just externally processing my wife of what, many years? 20-some. 20-some. Well, he's, what, 42-ish?
1: I think they said 44.
2: 44, and they got married when they were 17, Yeah, it says. So, yeah. 20-some years. Yeah. He doesn't hear her say that she has a crush on him. And then, later, she finds out from her parents that he has become a ladies' man post-separation. So, she goes to the popular girl in school to try to get advice on how
0: to seduce older yes, men
2: how to seduce older men and madison tells her the way to do this is to take dirty pics and she even demonstrates the face that you're supposed to make in these nude
0: photos all i can think watching that scene is oh yeah a man in his 30s wrote this again allegedly based on his life experiences <laughs> F- that dan fogelman what are you doing? I want you to explain, but I don't want you to explain.
2: So she takes Madison's advice and takes these pics, but her mom finds she.
0: It's like her putting one of those little like pocket Nikon's on a timer and taking off her clothes and taking a bunch of pictures just to tear down the poster of a baby tiger because she wants to look adult.
2: We don't see anything, but it's still such an uncomfortable scene. And then she and it's puts played for laughs. All in an envelope and like writes Cal very lovingly and is putting heart stickers on the envelope. Will physically restrained me multiple times during this scene because I was trying to cover my face because I didn't want to watch it, and he insisted that I see what was happening. You have
0: to watch the movie. Do you? We did.
2: So her mom finds the pictures before she's had a chance to give them to Cal. And I think kind of understandably assumes that there must be something appropriate going on between them. Because what 17-year-old would take unsolicited nude photos to give to her dad's best friend?
1: This one.
2: So her mom takes the photos to Bernie to look at. And that is... What Mark was talking about earlier, where like he doesn't just realize what they are, he looks through them
0: with increasing horror on his face. And then he leaps off the couch to run over to Julianne Moore's house where Cal is not living. And he knows that Cal is not living there, but for some reason he goes there to punch Cal.
2: And luckily that's where Cal is because it's the it's the scene. So again, just to recap. Jacob punched David Lindhagen, followed immediately by Cal punching Jacob, followed immediately by Bernie punching Cal, and Bernie, like, tears the top off of the little windmill that they had made.
0: As, like, a little mini-golf course.
2: to try to ram it into Cal, and Jessica's there going, Daddy, 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 no, Daddy, he didn't know about them. He didn't know about them. Which is true. Yes, and that is when Cal finds out that Jessica has been in love with him, but... That creates some problems for him because moving on to point five.
0: Jessica does pretty much give up at this point. Yeah,
2: this, this is the end of their relationship or there is no relationship but the end of anything happening between them. So point five, Robbie, Cal's son, and Jessica.
1: Just For the record, I think about you while I do it.
0: Robbie, I have this picture of you and I look at it the whole time. Stop it.
2: I love you. Jessica. I am actually begging you to stop it.
0: Cal's 13-year-old son, who at the beginning of the movie is in his room masturbating when Jessica walks in and is horrified. And he comes back down and she's like, I'm sorry, I should have knocked, like, whatever. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. And then he tells her that he thinks of her and he like has a picture, has a picture of, her. of her that he uses. And somehow he thinks this is making it better. Nope.
2: Gross.
0: It's the kind of like gross thing where like he probably thinks he's like flattering her.
2: It's really upsetting. It's
1: disgusting. Everything about this is so bad, and I just want to skip this point.
2: So then the next day, maybe not the next day, but pretty soon after that, he texts Jessica. And he's
0: also texting in class, so another bad thing he's doing.
2: He texts her about how Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher have a pretty significant age difference, and things still seem to be working out for them, and Jessica and Robbie are only four years apart.
0: For what it's worth, Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher broke up the next year.
2: And she texts him back, stop making me uncomfortable.
0: A pretty clear message.
2: Or is it? So he makes this- Oh, this
0: is when he stands up in his class and starts talking yes. about how the characters in The Scarlet Letter are assholes because they fell in love, and love is the stupidest thing that exists, and how could anyone care about love?
2: Quote, love, love is, is for crazy and stupid assholes. Uh... So then Robbie goes to Emily's office after school and she goes to a meeting and David Lindhagen comes by and Robbie tells him that his parents are ultimately going to get back together and says about Cal, he's not going to give up on her. Just like I'm not going to stop sending Jessica text messages that make her feel uncomfortable. Yay. So like...
0: Let's make toxic masculinity cute.
2: He knows that... She's really uncomfortable. And to be honest, I would say someone being told you're making me uncomfortable does not always make them realize that someone is uncomfortable. But we now have verification that Robbie knows and he's just going to keep going with it. So... And he just
0: keeps going on about how, like, people need to realize we're only four years apart. That's not crazy. Yeah. But this is also a point where, like, that's a very significant age difference.
2: His next exploit is he goes to the high school and does this whole, like... Scarlet letter-esque thing like he's built a gallows or something weird he has drawn a red j on his chest and jessica she's mortified and tells him you need to stop and he is not listening to her at all and keeps arguing until she says there's someone else okay and he says who and she says He's older, so I didn't want my parents to know about it. And she's talking about Cal. But one thing that I think is notable here is that even though Robbie has not given up on Jessica, he stops arguing with her in that point and kind of says to himself, okay, I need to go back and double down on things because there is someone else. But until there was someone else, he thought it was worth it to just keep arguing with her.
0: It's the idea that her interests don't actually matter, but he's going to, like, respect that, like, another man has a claim or something.
2: Yeah, well, men's property is more important than women's autonomy. We see this demonstrated regularly.
0: It's so fun and jokey how all this plays out.
2: He tells her, you'll learn to love me, I promise. And she says no, and he says, no, really, you will. So That sounds like a threat. Robbie steals... The please give me a chance flowers from David Lindhagen to take to Jessica and leaves them for her. And then in the big scene, he's there and hears that Cal is the man that Jessica's in love with. And, and he's furious. He basically disowns his own father as a result of this and won't speak to him. We see Cal in the parking lot of his school at one point, and Robbie just glares at him and keeps walking. So how did Robbie get home that day?
0: Maybe he, like, took a bus. I don't know.
2: So all of this culminates in Robbie's salutatorian speech.
0: Yeah, middle school graduation is, like, the secondary big scene of this movie where everyone is there.
2: We've heard previously that Jessica has a brother who is Robbie's age. So I assume that's why their family is there.
0: But Robbie does thank Jessica for going to the graduation.
2: And she says, yeah, of course, not, well, my brother was graduating. So he makes this speech about how love is not real and doesn't exist. As
0: his salutatory address.
2: As his address.
0: And
1: it's like, the school
0: should have read this speech.
1: No teacher jumps it. It's like, even if he's giving an off-the-cuff tangent against love, no teacher teacher would sit through it and not be like all right robbie thanks robbie job. let's move
0: on oh the choir wants to sing a song oh always remember me never lets us down
2: but as i said previously cal kind of hijacks it and goes on this whole thing about how you have to believe in love and this finishes with robbie going i still love you jessica and, and everyone her- cheers and she looks so flattered
0: she's smiling everyone is applauding it's Madness!
2: And, yeah. How is this charming? I don't want to talk about the rest of their relationship. Well, you
0: can do so it. So then, after the graduation ceremony, he goes up, he thanks her for coming, and she's like, yeah, 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 of course. And then he's like, I've decided I'm not going to chase you because I figured you're into my dad. And in a few years, I'm going to look like my dad. So I'll just well, go after you then. Okay,
2: actually, I said I didn't want to talk about this, but this is important. She says to him, so have you decided you're not going after me anymore? Like, she's kind of like... Goading him on to keep being into her, which is gross and inappropriate. But it's
0: also kind of a recognition of this situation because her opinion clearly has no impact on the scenario. But it is presented as like a joking, flirty kind of deal. And then he's like, yeah, like, I'm going to look like my dad and then you'll be into me. And she's like, well, in the meantime, and she gives him the naked photos. It's insane. Quoto. A 17-year-old hands a 13-year-old naked photos of herself that she took to give to that kid's dad. Every piece of this possible transaction is madness. Also,
2: she's 17. We haven't heard anything about college. Can we assume they're going to be in high school together next year? Maybe. Like, what senior in high school wants a freshman to have naked Photos of her. Or any freshman in high school to have naked photos you of them. Know, whether or not you're in high school. You
1: know that kid is showing them to his friends.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Unless
0: in, like, some perverse, like, I'm in love with her way, I'm gonna protect her from this. But, like, he's showing him to his friends, probably, right? He's a scumbag.
2: Yeah, well, she says to him, this is to get you through high
1: school. And it's Which is also gross.
2: All of this is gross, and I hate all of this. And it's
1: supposed to be charming. It's supposed
2: to be so cute, and it's not. It's just extremely upsetting.
1: So, after
0: talking through these five different romances... Do we find the romance of crazy, comma, stupid, comma, love, period to be believable? Oh, no. I
2: resent this question, actually, because it makes me feel like I have to think a little more deeply about each individual relationship. Mm. Like, Robbie and Jessica, definitely not. I cannot think of any 17-year-old girl who would... End it. Like, up until the ending, I'd be like, okay, yeah, creepy 13-year-old freaking out a 17-year-old. That is something that maybe could happen, but the fact that she gives him the photos and kisses him on the cheek?
1: No. There's just, like, not a world where a high school senior would do that. Correct. No. There It just, like, wouldn't no. happen.
2: Jessica and Cal, maybe a little more believable. Not good, but...
1: It's more believable. More, more believable. believable. But, again, like... High schoolers are so obsessed with status, and this is not status.
2: But that said, when she talks to Madison, she says it's an older guy, and Madison is impressed that he's parent-aged.
1: I guess. She's That's like, oh, so you're nasty. school."
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, I went to a school that was half visual and performing arts people and half international baccalaureate people. I don't know what normal high school people are like.
0: But I do think there's, like, as much as this thing is chaos, there is, like some kernels of things that work in like the david lindhagen of it all
2: yeah so cal and emily i think maybe would actually be believable just when you're together for that long and from such a young age like they've been together since they were 15 years old weird things happen and you have a lot of ups and downs and there's nothing in this that is Inherently super unbelievable to me off the top of my head, but I'm willing to be proven wrong because I am trying to think as little about what happens in this movie as possible.
0: The biggest thing is that a lot of these relationships have to contend with the scene where chaos breaks out. The
2: scene is not believable. Because the
0: movie thinks it's funny. Right. So if we're rating this on our 10 point scale where zero is totally unbelievable and 10 is we believe all of it, where does this movie fall?
2: Can we do half points? Do I have to do an integer?
0: You have to do an integer.
2: Okay. I think I was between a one and a two, and I was going to say one and a half, but I'll give it benefit of the doubt and say a two, because there are kernels, as Will said, and I think that there probably are more kernels that in isolation are believable. It's kind of just the combination of everything. The culmination in the scene and also the fact that I don't like this movie very much and I don't want that to bias it. So I'm going to, in light of that, maybe say a 2. But the not the believability ranking. The actual rating of the quality of the movie, I would say, is a 0.
1: What were you
0: thinking, Will? I'm a little higher than that. Yeah. I would probably give it like a 4. I was between a 3 and a 4. Because I think the Lindhagen stuff is mostly pretty believable. I think the Gosling Stone stuff is mostly pretty believable, and I can be convinced on some of the Cal and Emily. Now, the inclusion of the scene is a problem for all of these. Basically, all of the Jessica stuff is a mess. Right.
2: And I think part of my problem, why I can't give it higher than a two, is that, again, these things in isolation mean that I won't just give it a one, but it is important in this movie that all of these relationships are connected. So I feel like the Robbie and Jessica of it all affects my understanding of Cal and Emily, for example, or Emily and David Lindhagen.
1: That is a good point. I would say a three. Yeah, I'd go down to a three on that. Because the Gosling Stone stuff is just, like... It's good. It's just a relationship. But
2: it's a relationship that it's clearly a rebound for her. It's him immediately changing his ways. We're not led to believe that very much time has passed. It's been, like...
0: Maybe, like... Two weeks? Two
2: weeks. Again, I think that everything that happens with them is potentially believable, but I don't think it is in the timeline that we're getting. It's also
1: not like, after two weeks, it's not like they're getting married. It's that they're getting dinner with her mom, where, it, and if you, like, it is fast, but if you live in the same city, like...
2: No, be- what I'm basing this on is he calls Cal and says, I have met the game changer. Like, this is it. I want to be with her. I mean, and no, I that's it, after
1: a week. Yes. Yeah.
0: It is unclear what time frame this movie takes place over, because we have the end of the school year, and we have a parent-teacher conference, and that could be, like, a second semester conference, but that still means this takes place over, like, four or five months. I'd buy that.
1: It's just never clear how much time
0: is passing at what time. No.
1: Impossible to know.
0: But, for example, we do know that, like, Hannah takes the bar and gets results. Right. So,
1: are any of the people
0: in this movie dateable? Let's just combine this with who would you date.
2: If... I had to do any of the main people. I think Hannah is the least objectionable of everybody.
1: There's nothing really that wrong with Hannah.
2: Right. And she also has kind of an awkwardness that I can identify with. So I feel like we could, I don't know, not have to feel awkward about our awkwardness, which I appreciate.
0: But she also seems really smart and she knows what she wants. She passes the bar.
2: She's also, like, she can have fun, too.
1: She's got a fun friend? I was gonna choose to date the fun friend. Okay, cool.
2: I don't know that anyone else in this movie is dateable.
1: No, everyone else is pretty trash. Yep, yeah. (laughs) Do you guys think any of these couples would stay together? I could see Gosling and Stone potentially staying together. I don't know about forever, but at least for a while. For a while. Yeah. It'll be a
0: question of how much he's really able to shift his mindset. Right.
2: Unclear what happens with Cal and Emily, but I would not be furious with unbelievability if they stayed together that's possible disbelief that's that word i think
1: that the movie does a pretty good job of making you think that gosling's character would be willing to give it up like he sounds like he's actually really depressed so that's why i think that they have legs on that relationship robbie and jessica
0: what do you guys think They should never speak again. Jessica should get a restraining order. And
2: Robbie should get some pretty intensive therapy. Indeed. Actually, if I can introduce, I was going to go on this tangent in the Robbie point, but then I wanted to get through it as quickly as possible. This movie has a stance toward the development of human sexuality that I don't always understand. Like, Robbie's parents, his mom at one point, Emily, makes a joke about, like, how the parental controls on the computer aren't working because he can look at porn. But then at the same time, like, it's kind of under, I can't remember what it was, but there was some other reference, maybe to him masturbating or something. But the parents make her, I was like, kind of like, okay, you're not shaming him for this. And I think if they had leaned into that a little more, instead of leaning into the humor of his quote, humor of his inappropriate feelings for Jessica, this could have been kind of an interesting thing about like, how do parents deal with a 13 year old boy and like helping him develop a healthy sense of sexuality that is also respectful toward other people?
0: Yeah, instead, the movie goes for creepy jokes. Yeah, I think that sums up this movie. Before we go. All right. This has happened so many times to movies we've covered on the show that we have to ask the question. Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Should no. Crazy, Comma, Stupid, Comma, Love, Period be made into a musical? No, no,
1: that does it for this movie. There I kind of be... wish
0: there were songs. No, it would make it longer, but it would just there up the be chaos potion.
2: little exposure of this movie ever, if it's made into a musical, then that means that there will just be more of it, and it may be my purpose in life I've discovered to buy every DVD and Blu-ray of this I can find so that I can break them all.
0: So you want to be like George Lucas with the original versions of Star Wars and with the holiday special and just destroy them so they can't be watched.
1: Sure. We should watch the holiday special. Yeah, let's do it. Alright, that actually does it for this movie. Next week, we will be... Watching a classic AFI of Top
0: 100. That's right. We're going to be alone, just the two of us, for the first time in a while, as we return to Mike Nichols, director of The Birdcage. All right. To take a look Thank at that. the 1967 Best Picture winner, The Graduate.
1: I know very little about this movie, except for the one line that everyone knows, and I'm excited to watch it.
0: Is that the one? Hi, I'm The Graduate.
1: Yep. Cool. It's congrats, graduates. It's
0: congratulations.
1: Yep, that famous line from the movie, The Graduate.
0: Until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at lovetolovepod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovetolovepod at gmail.com.
1: Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Last
0: question, Rachel, as our guest, as our expert on crazy, stupid, comma love, period. I resent
2: that title.
0: What is the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie?
2: don't take dating advice from 13-year-olds.
1: All right, Mark? Uh, I don't know. The only relationship I support, is she passes the bar and then hooks up with a hot dude. So maybe try that. I mean, it seems like the dating expert in this movie is Ryan
0: Gosling, and his advice seems to be layer up. So maybe that's what you're supposed to do. I don't know.
1: Well, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay.
0: And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance.
1: Bye! Bye.